Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Generation podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand and I'm the Managing Director of uh, Bright Vision. Today we're going to talk about content creation for B2B companies and who could be better to have with me today uh, than Emily Hill, CEO of and founder of Write My Site and an expert in content creation and have been working with this in many different aspects over the last years and is a sought after speaker and expert in this area. So with that short introduction, welcome to today's podcast, Emily. Hi, Jacob. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me and I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, absolutely, Emily. It's so good to have you with us. And before we dive into today's topic, uh, where we're going to dissect, you know, content creation for B2B companies and, and best practices around that and so forth, maybe you can give a little bit about your background and your company and how you ended up becoming an expert in content creation. Certainly. Um, well, I sort of took the typical path into the industry, I suppose. I did an English degree um, and then went to work in publishing for a little while. Um, I actually worked in quite a small B2B um, online publishers. Um, and this was sort of back in the early 2000s when you know online was still fairly nascent and you know everyone was still trying to work out exactly what its potential was and, and what it could do. So it was quite an exciting time to start learning uh, a little bit about how to sort of format content for, um, for an online audience. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a couple of years and then I sort of started writing my site and obviously it was just me uh, when I started. So um, I was uh, a copywriter and I was focusing as, as the name of the company would imply on uh, online content. Um, this is 2006 and at that time uh, a lot of the feedback that I had was, well, I don't really understand. Why would you focus on online? It's so niche, you know, you're missing out on all this really fantastic print work. Um, so I sort of think over the last 14 years I've been vindicated a little bit because um, online publishing is obviously very, very uh, ubiquitous now um, and most brands are publishers uh, in one way or another. Um, so yeah, over the last sort of 14 years, I've, I've sort of grown the company. We've um, obviously sort of expanded beyond just me. Um, so I've got a sort of small team in-house and a larger sort of supporting team of subject matter experts because we don't specialize in any one niche um, because we think it's a bit more interesting to sort of be multi-sector. Um, that said, we do have a lot of B2B experience. You know, it's my personal background. So, you know, it's always sort of been a, um, a part of how I approach um, what I do um, so we've written all sorts of content all sorts of formats for all sorts of clients um, these days we also do quite a bit of training um, so you know obviously some clients prefer to produce their content in-house so you know we sort of go in and equip their teams with the skills to, to do that we also help clients audit their content we find that you know a lot of clients 
have lots and lots of content that they don't quite know what they need and what they don't need and what they should do with it. And that's often a good starting point rather than just coming in and saying, right, let's just write some new stuff for the sake of writing new stuff. Yeah. Um, and we also um, work on brand voice a little bit because um, there's so much content out there in just about every subject, however niche you know your area is, you'll still find lots and lots of content already existing. Um, so working on a sort of, strong brand voice can be a good way to differentiate so that's part of our offering at the moment as well yeah that's uh, a lot of different and interesting things you're doing and uh, running on a daily basis and that are giving you a lot of experience and exposure to the complexities of content creation of course and and uh, you know starting out discussing this a little bit uh, i would like to know your take on you know what, high, what kind of quality that you think is the most efficient one to develop as a B2B company today? Well, I think it's really about looking at what content is there already, because, you know, as I said in my intro just then, there definitely will be content, whatever your area of expertise, however niche. And then asking yourself, what can I add to this conversation? You know, what can I produce that... Yeah is different that moves this conversation forward because too much content is written for the sake of writing it you know you sort of look at your competition and you sort of panic a little bit oh they're all doing white papers and they're all doing ebooks and blogs and we need to do all of this stuff too and what you end up with is a sort of you know sort of quite generic almost regurgitated version of the stuff that other people have already done but that doesn't really get you anywhere what gets you somewhere and what sort of gets you noticed and and so on is something that is an improvement and that can be something as basic as for example if all of your competitors are doing top 10 tips about x that you then go bigger and you do top 20 you know that sets you above the pack yeah yeah interesting uh, that's so uh, good to good to know so um when we do this with clients and when you work with clients, what are the typical uh, mistakes you see companies do when they start out uh, working in this area? Well, I think particularly in B2B, there's a sort of perception that the tone of the copy has to be professional. And what that ends up being is generic and impersonal so that's one of the biggest mistakes because you're always writing for another human being you know at the end of the day the person who's going to sort of pick up that piece of content on the other end is another human being just like you and they have all the same sort of emotional triggers that you have and they don't want to read just a sort of bland inoffensive generic piece of content they want to read something that's got a bit of spark and that talks them directly and that is thought-provoking and interesting maybe even amusing yeah, that's so true, and uh, probably a, a mistake I do myself pretty often, <laughs> trying to be professional, and and uh, you lose the human touch of, of the communication there. Absolutely. So, uh, can you give an example of what a good tone of voice, or whatever you call it, is when you get it right, so to say, and what, what the difference is between being professional versus being personal, and where is the balance for a B2B company? Well, I'd say quite a sort of quick win in this regard would be to use the second person rather than the third person. So, you know, sort of use 
the words you directly, you know, and it just makes that connection between the writer and the reader when you use we and you rather than, you know, this kind of more formal third person phrasing mm-hmm. that you, you tend to get in, in B2B, particularly B2B tech. Oh, yeah, that's a good and quick tip. That's low-hanging fruit right there uh, <laughs> to drive the conversation a bit more personal in second person instead. And uh, another related question to that is, is uh, what's your experience on, how, how, you know, what is your take on quantity versus quality from a marketing efficiency perspective, how you use to drive leads and gain awareness with your content, so to say. Where should you be in that scale from your perspective? I would say very much at the quality end of the scale. That's a really, really easy question um, (laughs) because there is no point in just sort of churning out lots and lots of content you know just because you may have a sort of shiny content plan that says you're going to do an ebook every month it's much better to do an ebook every six months that actually delivers results for you than you know sort of pressurize your teams to sort of produce lots and lots of content that ends up not being very good Mm. and therefore doesn't perform yeah yeah and i totally agree it's it's uh but it's, it's a lot of voices out there who pr- promote uh, quantity. So it always gets a bit confusing in those <laughs> of dialogues. But uh, yeah, I agree. And I, I also seen cases where a blog post still drive leads after like three, four years. Since Absolutely. Well written. And that's, that's proof right there that, you know, a, a high quality kind of content uh, piece could definitely live for years. Yeah, and indeed when we sort of do content audits, you know, one of the things we look for are those, you know, sort of high performing historic pieces and then look at, well, can we sort of update these pieces, maybe sort of refresh the format and, you know, put some new sort of stats in there and new imagery and expand it a bit, but essentially kind of just beef up the same piece of content they've already got that's already working for them and just Mm. sort of republish it. So, you know, that's a great way of getting a bit more bang for your buck because, you know, content production is it is an investment either you to sort of invest in bringing someone in to help you to do it or you need to invest the time to do it internally mm. and you know the average blog post takes about four hours to write you know that's quite a lot of somebody's time to produce a piece of content so mm. you want to make sure that that time is well spent and that you're not just sort of spending it producing stuff because your plan says you have to produce stuff that you're actually spending it producing things that you're confident are going to work for you yeah, and there you're touching on something really important. And, and as I say, it's time consuming. And uh, I can also get a, a feeling that a lot of companies uh, is just, you know, going through their content calendar way too quickly and not leveraging the different com- uh, content they actually produce. And uh, as you say, so when you do an audit, can you give any tips uh, of what we should look for or what should a client think about when they review their own content and uh, plan how to use it better? Well, I would definitely start with looking at the analytics because you don't want to just sort of make decisions based on what you think your best content is. You want to sort of actually look at what those uh, metrics are. Not even necessarily, I mean, definitely look at traffic, obviously, but look at engagement, you know, look at how long did somebody spend on this piece of content? How many downloads did we get for this ebook? and so on and so forth. Um, and then I would say, you know, I just, I think a simple approach is is the one that you want for a content audit. I think you literally want three kind of buckets of, you know, 
keep it, update it, get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And um, when you do update content to make it more, do you typically do it uh, just very lightly or do you think it's worth the time to rewrite it more in depth or what's your take on that? Um, I think it it does depend on what the content is. So, for example, we updated a a five-year-old piece that still performs really well on our site. And we updated it because it was a list of statistics. So we thought, well, actually, given that this is still a really popular page on the site, we probably ought to put some statistics from the last five years, you know, into the piece. So that did end up being a substantial rewrite and we expanded it and um, sort of improved the, the, the visual look of it as well. Mm. other pieces however you know the more kind of evergreen pieces that don't depend on stuff that you know that don't have things in them that are going to date like a statistic you might find don't need a whole lot of updating at all Mm. yeah yeah totally agree and uh, when uh, we do produce content it's it's one also evergreen question that always comes up is what format should we go for should we should we do it as an uh, ebook or you know should we write it as a webinar videos or long long blog post gated unca- ungated what's your take on that for you know this year and your where you're in that journey as a as an advisor today what what would you advise what kind of format should you primarily go for as a b2b company today Well, there's no one size fits all. Um, I think to answer that question, you have to really understand the audience for that particular company or brand Mm -hmm. um, and understand where they hang out. You know, are they avid podcast consumers, in which case, you know, that's what you want to do. Or, you know, do they sort of have time to sit down and read an ebook or are they on TikTok? You know, (laughs) where are they? What do they prefer? Um, and also look at your analytics um, for your existing content. You know, look at what content formats, content formats seem to be performing well, uh, and do more of those. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a good good answer to to a broad question. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends on where your uh, audience is and their preferences of consuming content. So. Sure. And I think, you know, another answer might be to um, consider what the what the ask is. So, you know, you're talking about lead generation. So if you're wanting them to give you an email address to sort of send them information and keep in contact, you know, you have to consider what are, what are we giving in return for that? So, you know, it's not going to be enough to just sort of write, you know, a 500 word piece, probably, people probably wouldn't give you an email for that, because they can get that kind of stuff for free wherever they want. Whereas for an ebook or a webinar that offers real value and depth and substance, you know, they're more likely to hand over an email for that. Mm, Yeah. One thing that strikes me is that uh, the trends or the latest new shiny thing that could be a channel or a new social media or something is it's not that important as we many times uh, assume it is. So I think time have proven that, you know, still is blogs and eBooks converting really well and driving a lot of traffic, uh, even though, uh, I mean, everybody's preaching video, 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 
But I mean, we see a lot of campaigns going really, really well with just written words and, uh, you know, text-heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, uh, yeah, it needs to be cool and analytics-based uh, decisions around where to publish and what kind of content and channels and so forth. So that's great. Another thing when you write a lot of uh, content as you do and produce is, of course, uh, SEO and, and, you know, making it easier to find in Google and so forth. Um, how should a content producer think about that? Should you take it into consideration just from the start? Or is that something you add on at the end? Or how do you work with that? Yeah, it certainly should be under consideration from the beginning. There should be a strategy of you know which keywords are most important and you know what are the related terms around those keywords because you know SEO isn't this kind of basic game of snap that it used to be that you know if you sort of put the same keyword in your content enough times Google will sort of catch on and you know show it to somebody using that keyword in a search. It's it's a lot more sophisticated and Google's um, put a lot of time and effort into understanding user intent um, so you know understanding what users mean as opposed to you know necessarily the words that they use in the search um, having said all that keywords are still important but we need a more flexible approach to keywords so um, what I tend to sort of advise is okay yeah absolutely decide on your primary keyword for this piece of content but don't just repeat that keyword you know 20 times think about related terms and you know create this whole sort of lexicon around it and this is where you know yes we think about it at the start but I wouldn't sort of obsess about it whilst writing because actually if you follow you know sort of best practice copywriting advice and you, you've written a, a decent piece of content with substance and and you know with thought then you'll probably find a lot of those related terms appear quite naturally anyway in the content and then it's simply a case at the end of sort of going back and just maybe tweaking some of your subheads and you know making sure that you know your your keywords are obviously present in your meta title and description um, but it's not something to sort of obsess over the second part about seo it's not all about keywords. Um, it's also about readability. And this is where B2B tech firms in particular can fall down because if your content is hard to read, then Google isn't going to be that keen on giving it a high spot in the rankings. The reason being that it wants its search engine to be accessible and it wants you know anybody who might be looking for information to be able to find it, but also to be able to use it. So if it deems that your piece of content is so jargon filled and so technical and so complicated that you'd need a you know sort of university degree to even understand what it says then that will be a negative factor in seo oh yeah i i haven't thought about that so much so that's really good uh insight there <laughs> and uh <laughs> And where do you think, uh, so, so when you do it right, uh, how, how will that play out? You know, do you see a lot of uh, differences between content where you have it in consideration and done it by the book, so to say, or a blog post that is just written out <laughs> from, from the top <laughs> of the head, so to say? Is, is it impacting the result a lot or 
What's your take on that? Um, yeah, obviously our differences. Yeah. Um, I mean, formatting is, is a big part of it as well. You know, it's, a blog piece should not be an essay. It should not just be sort of a whole block of text because that's really unusable. You know, even if the language itself isn't particularly technical or complicated, it's still, you know, if you imagine that most people um, will read at least some content on their phones, that's a very small amount of, spe amount of screen space. So, you know, a whole paragraph could be quite a bit of scrolling for somebody and with no imagery to break it up you know it's just not a very good user experience so um, definitely the sort of breaking up into small paragraphs subheaders bullet points imagery you know all of that stuff is really really important for usability and for SEO oh that's also great insights you're providing there so uh, I suppose uh uh, when you when you do content that is gated, do you prefer to have it on the web page from SEO perspective, or should you go with a PDF? Or what's your take on that? For SEO, then it's sort of generally better just to have it available because again, you know, Google's whole sort of premise is it's about accessibility. Um, but if you want to gate your content, then you know, probably the most practical way of doing that is to do a sort of PDF email. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see any new trends uh, in this area where you uh, where you can develop and you know get ahead, so to say, <laughs> compared to your competitors in terms of content creation and SEO uh, best practices? Well, what I have seen brands start to do is to sort of have the have the best of both worlds in the sense that they will actually publish the entire piece of content, you know, on a a blog piece, and then they'll sort of also offer the option to download it as a PDF or as an ebook. So that is one way of doing it. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I suppose that is, is a smart way to do it from an SEO perspective rather than have it as a gated uh, PDF only with a short introduction on a landing page. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously doing that, you may then miss out on some of the people that may have given you the email address. So I suppose it depends on what the priority is, but if the priority is to generate google traffic then yeah sort of publishing the content in a, an ungated way is preferable yeah one of the biggest problems i know companies struggle with and and uh, is is of course uh, you know sticking to the plan you you put in a lot of planning with the content calendar and you brainstorm good ideas about the blog post and whatever content you, you come up with but then it all comes uh, crashing down since nobody have the time and uh, <laughs> and it's easy to get uh, sidetracked. So, so what's your best tips and tricks for marketing managers and marketing practitioners listen to this that, you know, is having the content stress over them, so to say? It has to be somebody's job. So there has to either be somebody in-house who is responsible for maintaining that publishing schedule or you know you need to bring in outside support and allocate a budget to do that mm. yeah so so uh, in other words you need uh, some specialist role compared to a general marketing manager only is that what you're saying unless the general marketing manager is confident that they have the time available but you know as i say you know the, the average blog post is about four hours so if you're doing one every week that's half a day and that's without, you know, all the time to publish it, promote it, plan the next one and so on. Yeah. 
exactly. and all the other jobs that a marketing manager probably has to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is a complex role. Uh, uh, that's for sure. So, and the other and the other problem is probably also to to you know block the time to be focused on on a specific task is also of course a, a problem for for uh, complex roles. Uh, so yeah, and and when you work with clients, uh, for example, how much, uh, how can a uh, setup be? You know, uh, how many content assets do you deliver, or what's the typical blog post <laughs> you help clients with? Let's say. Uh, I mean, we've got clients who have you know sort of weekly blogs. We've got others who sort of have a longer form piece of content less frequently, you know, monthly mm. or even quarterly. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, we have. I think the most we ever did was uh, ten thousand words a month um, on the topic of hair loss. <laughs> uh, but after a few months, we were struggling to come up with with that number of words on that topic. <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, yeah, talking about the niche topic. <laughs> but yeah, as I say, you know, today, you know, what what we do try to do with you know established brands that have already sort of undergone a, a program of publishing is is to look at what they've got because there's an awful lot that you can do with existing content and i think that that is often the biggest sort of time and budget saver to you know repackage reformat refresh the stuff that you already have mm, yeah yeah and doing more of uh, exactly editorial and uh, and uh, trying to extend the lives of different content assets. Yeah, I think that's a great tip and a great uh, takeaway from from you there. Uh, yeah, and um, there's so much to talk about this, and you have uh, a lot of uh, insights here. I really appreciate. But I also know you're busy running your your own business, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, uh, Listeners, you want to take part of more of your ideas, content, and insights, uh, and want to check you out more. Where can we send them, uh, Emily? Um, the website would be a good start. Uh, we are Write My Site. That's writers and writing my site as a website. WriteMySite.co.uk. Um, I also run a Facebook group called How to Become a Confident Copywriter. So if you search that on Facebook, uh, you should be able to find it and. Just request an invite and I'll be glad to welcome you to the group. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well and Twitter. So this year, I'm very contactable. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fascinated by all, all those of you who can handle all these channels and, and uh, getting up to date on, on all of them. I never managed more than LinkedIn, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was so good to talk to you, Emily. Thank you for Thank you. sharing uh, all your insights and wish you all the best with your company. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon again. Thanks so much for having me, Jacob. It's been really great. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.